The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, this is something that affects everybody listening in any part of the world. Our buzz today is credit cards. Let me just read you a little bit from the headlines. On Twitter last night, I read the following post. Somebody says, I just got a letter from Staples. They're now the latest in credit card security breaches. Home Depot was my last drama. Somebody else posted, Home Depot credit card breach also included 53 million emails email addresses. Well, with headline-topping credit card breaches like these and the breaches at Target, Target, and Adobe, merchants are on high alert to safeguard their systems. Why is it so important to the merchants? Well, we know they're going to lose customers. They're going to have a tarnished reputation, but the bottom line is important, too. They're going to see loss of profits, and they may even incur steep Fines. We're talking dollars here, and nobody wants that. So we have a couple of reality check questions on the table today. Are merchants being proactive or reactive about PCI? I'll define that. It's payment card industry compliance and security standards. Another question. How easy is it for the hackers to find unprotected avenues, channels, and little ways to tiptoe into the merchant's vulnerabilities? Are we making it too easy for the hackers? What can merchants do about this? We have a panel of experts who are going to help us figure this out, see what the latest status quo is, and how it can be moved to a higher level of protection for credit card security. First up on the panel, I'd like to welcome Richard McCammon, C-A-M-M-O-N with an M-C in front of it. He's the VP of Integrated Solutions at Delego Software. Delighted to have him. And here's the quote. Richard is waxing poetic today. He sent me a quote from Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. Here is the line. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, dot, dot, dot. And I brought in the final line of the poem, yours is the earth. Richard McCammon, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. So talk to me about the selection of this quote and how does it relate to our topic today about credit card breaches and what merchants can do. Well, this quote uh, was given to me and taught to me by my grade five teacher. So um, not dating myself, but that goes back a number of years. And um, it sort of stuck with me all the way through my life. It's, I mean, this, is, this quotation is part of, as you mentioned, an entire poem by Rudyard Kipling, and it's, it really goes through and, and lays some, some serious foundations for consideration through life. And the reason I chose this particular one today is that 
um, because of the number of breaches that are happening, because of the uh, the size and the volumes of them, um, everybody can be accused of, of losing their heads at one time or another, uh, whether they be merchants or whether they be cardholders. Uh, your Twitter feed uh, on that one comment is very, very uh, timely because, I mean, mm-hmm. here's an individual who's been breached a couple of times now, and so he's, he's yep. trying to wonder, he's wondering what he's going to do. And so the uh, the whole concept that we're going to be talking today and the whole concept of PCI is generally how to avoid those situations or at least uh, make it more difficult for people to uh, to not breach uh, a company's corporate records, uh, specifically credit cards. But it, it goes beyond that. It goes into Social Security numbers and, and all sorts of different privacy components. So the goal out of this whole thing is, is not to be the one that uh, you're losing your head on. And having to, and and more importantly, being the one that's going to get blamed. Mm-hmm. Good points, Richard. A good start. I, I want to bring in one more quote. I also found an article on. It's called The Street. I believe it's a publication yesterday. And let me just read this, and this will embellish a little bit what you said. As the list of retail breaches expands, the discussion around payment security simultaneously grows louder. Maybe the move to more secure credit cards will help, or it's all about tokenization and encryption. But in this battle against hackers, the question might actually be just who is on our side. I think ours, the consumer. Uh, Richard, just a quick comment on that. Thoughts? Oh, yes. I mean, it's, it's, that's huge because, I mean, there's all sorts of things that are being done in the, in the credit card arena. Anything from chip and pin, also known as EMV, uh, 2D, uh, 3D secure, um, two-factor authentication. There's a number of things that are being done to try and to protect the cardholder. But the cardholder is also part of the, the entire puzzle as well. And so they have to be mm-hmm. able to adopt some of those things. Interesting. Well, thank you very much, and uh, looking forward to hearing more from you. Let's bring on our second panelist. It's Hillel Zafir, Z-A-F-I-R. He's the co-founder and president of HMS Technology Group, and uh, Hillel has sent me an interesting, unattributed, but very popular project management quote that's so widely used, it's known as one of the truths of project management. Here is Here's the quote. If it happens once, it's ignorance. If it happens twice, it's neglect. If it happens three times, it's policy. Boy, that's damning. Hillel Zafir, welcome. How are you today? Welcome, Bonnie. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Great quote. I looked it up. I tried to find attributions all over the web, and it kept popping up on project management quote lists, and people say it's one of the truths. So why don't you tell us why you picked it and how it relates to our topic today, please, Hillel? So... The, I picked it because, like you said, it's the truth, and it really is. As you go around these different projects and different industries, you see that that is the way to do it. If the user can get, a, can get away with it enough times, it'll become the policy. It's no longer they don't have to think or try to come up with ways to optimize or add efficiencies to the process and ultimately uh, add the proper process, and in our case, security. So let's let it happen once, and you know we'll say, okay, it's a mistake twice, and okay, mistake again. But the third, third time, well, guess what? We've been doing it like this for all these years. Why change? And that's exactly it. Segues right into our discussion: why we need to, uh, you know, turn this industry upside down and start thinking in in terms of disruption and in terms of including everybody in this in this chain of credit cards: the user, mm-hmm. the processor. And ultimately, the merchant that's getting the money, each one of these people have to be part of the discussion, and each one of these people have to you know, be part of the discussion and bring them to the table, try to figure out. Um, and there are great uh, types of technologies out there that can enhance and add a lot of layers of security to this. 
and ultimately not making it more difficult but making it easier. But then again, if there's no, if there's no real uh, push to do it and complacency sets in, which it does most of the time, mm-hmm. then why change? It becomes policy. It's easier to just stick your head in the sand and forget that something's going on. Very true. Very good comments, Halal. I'm thinking that uh, people are, consumers are probably thinking that breaches are a fact of life, which may in fact equate to the word policy. If you're on the other side of the equation, it's, oh, well, I'm probably going to have my card hacked at some big bank I'm using or some big retailer I'm using. My quick question to you before we, we get to our third panelist, Halal, is, um, do, does the consumer want to become part of this process? You said everybody along this chain has to take some responsibility, has to be involved. Just a, a quick view from your standpoint, from your point of view, why is the consumer needing to be part of this process? What, are, what do I do wrong? What are you doing wrong with our credit cards? Thoughts? You, you should request. So the simple answer is the consumer doesn't care. And the reason why they don't care is Aha. because if, you have, if your credit card is used uh, without your permission, it's as simple as picking up a, call, a phone and dialing your, your bank and say, hey, you know, guess what? That transaction isn't real. And you get the credit on your statement. They even, sometimes uh, consumers may even dispute the charge when it's a legitimate uh, charge. So why, <laughs> why would they have to go through this extra mile of, of security and this extra mile and, and doing things that, and, and, you know, they've been used to? Again, it's the same concept. It happens. It's part of the process. Why do I have to change? And throughout the discussion, as we get to more, more, more ideas and different types of technology that comes out and it's out there today, we, the only way to get the consumer involved in this is to make it mm-hmm. exciting for them. And I use the term gamifying it, making it cool, making it hip, making it exciting. Use something that they've been used to every single day, and it's something that makes their life easier. And at the end of the day, it doesn't require them to call the merchant or call the credit card processor and say, hey, guess what? They see this charge that it's legitimate or not legitimate. They can be proactive about this, but there always has to be an incentive. And that's the kind of the theme that I believe it should be, should be set. The tone that has to be set in this is how do we incentivize all the parties here and ultimately the cardholder because they're the least reliable and they have the least responsibility here. I, I'm so surprised at what you said, and I'm so pleased you said it, Hillel, because this goes to a lot of our shows on making the customer the focus of everything you do. That's going to be a, a, a big banner being waved by a lot of retailers, a lot of industries, actually, this coming year. That's one of the predictions for 2015, make the customer the center. So you're saying that a customer center can involve gamifying, making the customer want to be part of securing credit card information and enhancing data security. I love it. That's a, a great point we're going to want to pick up. And also, I, I have to say, you've tied in very nicely to a line from Kipling's poem, If, that Richard introduced, uh, if you keep your head about you when all uh, when others are losing theirs and blaming it on you. So we know it's, as you say, so easy to blame it on the merchant or blame it on somebody else to pick up that phone and say, it's not my charge. I love the way this is tying together. Thank you, Hillel. And let's introduce our third panelist. It's Frank Richter, head of SAP's Global Order to Cash Process Management Team. That's a big business card, Frank. And Frank has very interestingly sent us a quote about the about PCI, which we've introduced. This is a quote from the PCI Security Standards Council. And here's the information. Compliance with PCI DSS, and Frank will explain that, means your systems are secure and customers can trust you with their sensitive payment card information. Let's find out what this is all about. Welcome, Frank Richter, calling from Germany. How are you today, Frank? Hey, Bonnie, I'm fine. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you for joining us. So talk to me. Interesting. Uh, how, how is this going to happen? And what is PCI DSS? Let's define that first, please. Yeah. Um, so, so first of all, I, I was less creative than the other two uh, speakers and, um, and, and picked, um, and, and, and pick the topic that's, that's more, um, real, uh, pick the quote that's more related to the topic. Um, so let me, let me quickly start at, at the back. Um, and, um, it, it says here that that there is sensitive payment information, yeah, the, the payment card information. And um, I think this is really one of the key things to consider when we have the discussion later, um, that the information is very sensitive um, for um, the cardholder. And um, it's very, very important that the customers can trust you because otherwise they are not going to do um, business with you. Yeah? So that's, I think that's the, the, the most important point from, from, my view, from my view for the discussion. And um, in order um, to have this, um, you need to have uh, the systems that are secure, and that's in the quote. Um, but we, when we come to the discussion, we probably also will not talk only about systems, but also about people and, and humans, how, um, how, what you need to do there in order to uh, have a secure process and uh, to have your customers trusting you. Thank you, Frank. I want to add something from this article I mentioned to Richard and Hillel earlier from The Street. I'm just going to read a quote and get your feedback, and then I'm going to ask you all the most important question of the beginning of the show is what's in your cup today. I'm putting you on warning. But here's the quote. They say, some analysts claim that PCI compliance itself is an unreasonable mandate from the credit card companies. Just complying with PCI can cost about 38% of a company's budget. And when you talk about maintaining compliance, it soars up to 50 to 60%. Any thoughts on that, Frank, before we move on? I thought that was very interesting. In, indeed, that's very interesting. Um, and um, I would really say, what is your customer worth? For you, yeah. What what are you going to invest um, in in the trust of your customer and and the willingness of uh, the customer doing uh, business with you? And um, you mentioned before a few companies um, which are really well renowned and in in which, for which uh, credit card data um, there was breaches and, and there was uh, misuse. Yeah, and and I can imagine that after this happens, it has an impact on on the sales of these companies. And um, so rather, I do not see this as cost, but an investment in in a customer relationship and the customer having trust uh, to you. And without disclosing numbers. Um, but in our company, we can say that um, we are not having 38%, but uh, a smaller number that we are going to invest uh, um, for our customers. Uh, it's um, not sure why, how they came up with the number, but it seems a bit high for me. Thank hey, you. Bonnie, for I want to I want to jump yes, in on this for a second. Please do. Yes. I I think that that number is totally wrong, and and here's my reason why I say that. If a company wants to become the PCI, PCI compliant, and they want to invest in all the technology to make themselves PCI compliant, yes, it'll be so high. The cost will be very high. But why do you have to be the best at everything? Why not take PCI compliance and give that to a company that their core competency is credit mm-hmm. card processing, tokenization, security, mm-hmm. outsource that entire feature, 
and don't have that in-house. Having it in-house, of course, it's more expensive. Why, you know, today's age, we're talking about virtualization, of keeping things in the cloud, keeping things off-site, keeping things, you know, going with a partner that their core competency is whatever that, you know, whatever the need is, instead of doing mm-hmm. everything in-house. I think the, 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 the name of the game here is stop thinking that you could do everything yourself. Find the right partners, find the right solution, solution providers that, are, that their core competency is PCI compliance, and let them ha- do the heavy lifting. Don't be the best at everything because you cannot be the best at everything. Thank you, Hello. Great words of wisdom. I, we've already basically started the roundtable before we got to that part of the show. But you know what? I have to ask all of you. I think I know what Hillel's drinking today, and I think it has a lot of caffeine in it, and I love it. I love it. I love the energy. That's what we want here. Thank you. So let's circle back to Richard McCammon. Richard, you know the question, what's in your cup today? Because you are on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Brazilian drink called, and I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to get the uh, pronunciation wrong, even though I've been practicing it all, mo- all morning. <laughs> Caipriana. Caipriana. Anyway, it's a Brazilian national cocktail. It's made from uh, uh, conchaça, which is a, uh, a sugar, a sugar cane uh, li- liquor, and uh, lime juice, and a little bit of ice. And I fell in love with this drink. Uh, my wife and I were doing a tour, uh, what we called mm-hmm. our Five Continents tour, uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, the, the goal was South Africa, but to get there and back, we had to go through Istanbul and, and back through Sao Paulo. So on our return, we, uh, we stayed at the Marriott, and my wife, being the, uh, the one that a three-star hotel is roughing it, decided <laughs> that when we were offered it, we could go in for the... Um, the, the executive class or the, and the, uh, the extra lounge and facilities. And it was there that the concierge introduced me to the, uh, this Caipiana. Now you have and to it, spell that for us, Richard. I love the story. <laughs> spell it. Come on, spell it. Somebody's going to tweet this. Go ahead. What is it? C-A-I-P-I-R-I-N-H-A. Caipiriana. Capriana. Wow. Wow. Th- thank you very much. You did prepare and you've been rehearsing that all morning. I am so honored. Richard, you've outdone yourself. Hillel Zafir, I know you're in Brooklyn today. You know I'm on Long Island, so I'm waving to you out the window from my studio here, Hillel. Hillel, what are you drinking? Anything good that's local to Brooklyn or what have you got in a cup? No, I think it's not a local to Brooklyn, but it's damn good. <laughs> and it's a McAllen 25-year-old anniversary Single Scotch malt bottled in 1965. Are you drinking it right now at 11:20 oh, in the morning? I wish I could. I wish I could. <laughs> and in my other hand, I have a Rocky Patel Royal Toro cigar. Oh, you live very well, <laughs> Hillel. I, I am ultimately impressed. This is really cool. Frank Richter, where in Germany are you calling from, and uh, what time of day is it, and what are you drinking? Um, so it's close to Heidelberg in the southwest of Germany, where I'm calling in from. Um, the time of the day is past five now, um, so we are moving towards the end of the working hour. And um, this is why at, at this point of time I have a Coke next to me, um, but I'm, I'm speaking about the drink I'm going to take later after the show. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and after moving home, and um, that is something uh, a typical uh, German drink called Weizenbier with grapefruit, and um, I explain in a second. But uh, actually, Richard made me think uh, because Caipirinha actually is uh, one of my favorite drinks too. So that's a very good choice, Richard. Richard. So we might have one uh, some 
some some day in life together. Um, you can pronounce if it. our path is crossed. He can. Um, but but <laughs> let's get let's get back to the um, to, to the Weizenbier. There's unfortunately no no English translation for that as as far as I know. Yeah. So basically, that's a shanty uh, made of beer and uh, juice. And the beer is a, a special type of beer which we have here in, in the southwest of Germany. It, it's made of wheat, yeah, and it's very tasty, very soft, not bitter at all. Uh, as usual, a bit having more alcohol, like uh, North American beers, for example, but still um, very soft to drink. And if you make it a shanty with grapefruit juice, it's extremely tasty. If you go like for a barbecue, it's hot in the summer, and it's just so easy to drink. And um, yeah, it, you, you really feel well. It's refreshing, and it, it tastes good. It's um, a really a nice drink uh, to have. And uh, with limited alcohol, you can also have more than one uh, at a time. Not at a time, but after the other. <laughs> Now, I was going to ask you, Frank, if you could top what Richard and Hillel shared, and you, you all three of you, I don't know who's the winner of this round, but I'm very impressed. Uh, I'm only allowed to drink water on radio show days. They don't let me have any caffeine, and you can probably imagine why. I'm delighted to be speaking today with Richard McCammon at Delego, D-E-L-E-G-O Software, Hillel Zafir at HMS Technology Group. I know you can all spell that. And Frank Richter at SAP's Global Order to Cash Process Management Team. Our topic today, in case you haven't guessed is data security in the age of credit card breaches what can we do about it should the consumer be involved should they care how exciting can merchants make it for consumers to make them care uh, what's the role of the merchant what's the role of all the people down that chain that's involved in the back end of credit card processing we're going to enter our roundtable right after the break we're going to start off with Richard McCammon and Richard I think we're going to talk about the bad guys because we really haven't talked about why this problem exists who is making this happen that we have to work so hard to fix it so when we come back we'll start our 30 minute round table this has been a very long opening segment and that's because i have such great panelists today i'm bonnie d graham you're listening to episode number 164 if you're keeping count of coffee break with game changers radio presented by sap today we're live it's wednesday january 14th 2015 hard to believe the first month of 2015 is almost half over but i digress we'll be your Right back after the break. You know the drill. Don't even think of touching your mouse, that app, that dial, however you're finding us. Spread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Welcome back to our roundtable segment. Our topic today is data security in the age of credit card breaches. Have to do a shout out to Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP, who says on Twitter, by the way, we're tweeting today at hashtag SAP radio. I know you can all spell that. He says, whoa, Nellie, Phil's coffee to Sora kicked in and I'm running at full speed. The day is young carpe diem. I think Malcolm is waxing poetic today. How refreshing. Thank you, Malcolm. So let's get started with our roundtable. We're going to have about 25 minutes uh, at the most, and then we'll go into our predictions round. Let's kick it off with Richard McCammon at DeLego Software. Richard, we haven't talked about why we have this problem. It's been uh, like the elephant in the room. It's just kind of sitting there staring at us, but I think we need to talk about it. So I'm looking at your notes from before the show, and you say, thieves are smart. Thieves are driven to get our money. As a result, they will always be one step ahead of us. Are we doomed? Richard, talk to me. Let's uh, set some baselines right now, and, and then we can talk about the uh, the thieves themselves. But just some statistics, and I know that bores everybody, but I think, again, that it gives us a good baseline. Um, some of the statistics I dug out um, for various presentations, including this one, as much as 79% of, of companies, uh, multinational companies, this was a, a survey of 517 multinationals, have had a breach. And um, literally almost 50% of, of merchants are not PCI compliant. Mm-hmm. And just uh, to back up a little bit, PCI is the Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. So that's the PCI DSS. And what that deals with is all of the, the standards that we're going to talk a little bit more about later. But I think the, the really important part for this part of the conversation is that as we try to put in more and more security elements to the systems, the, the crooks just seem to be one step ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a look at the chip and pin that's been introduced uh, globally, with the one exception being the United States. Um, EMV was introduced in Canada in 2007, and that basically means that there was a chip that's embedded in my either my credit card or my debit card. And as part of the security system, I need to put that card into a machine. It looks exactly like the, the swipe machines you're used to seeing in the stores, but I physically put this chip into this machine, at which point I then give it a, a personal identification number or PIN. When that policy was put in place in Canada around 2007, um, I have statistics here that say um, in that period from 2004 to 2013, fraud completely jumped 145%. Now, that was total fraud across all credit cards. But the card not present, in other words, the, uh, where people are going on the uh, e-commerce sites, buying things on the web, those sorts of things, that jumped from being 37% of the fraud to 70%. So really what happened, and this has happened time and time again when the chip and pin architecture has been employed, happened in France, happened in Australia, happened in the UK, happened in Canada, the crooks moved from where it was very difficult to, uh, to create fraud, that being in the, the retail environment, when the chip and pin, with the, just that one extra security element added, they had to move now to the e-commerce environment. And not only did they move to the e-commerce environment, but the fraud actually increased 
incredibly mm. at that time as well. So not only were they circumventing, um, to some degree, the chip and pin by moving into a different market for them, they were then getting deeper and deeper into the things that we do in electronic commerce. And, and fraud's a huge element. I mean, 2012, the United States uh, recorded $5.3 billion in fraud. And of that, approximately 36%, or uh, just short of $2 billion, was borne by the merchants. So this is a huge problem. And as we go through and we, we move from uh, security element to security element, the crooks just seem to be one step further ahead. They're making breaches. They're getting into sites. They're finding ways. Um, we've had lots of examples of the various breaches, and a lot of them are putting in. In fact, I was at a, uh, a security summit with Visa not too long ago, and they were talking about exactly that, that the crooks are just getting more sophisticated with the mm -hmm. frequency, the magnitude, they're finding ways into various organizations, and it's just a more sophisticated way to getting at our information. And they're having so much fun doing it, and there's a payoff. Hillel Zafir at HMS Technology Group. Hillel, thoughts on what Richard just brought up? Agree, disagree? Do you have any statistics you want to add or I want to add compliment? to that. that, the, that yes. Of course the thieves have, they have more time with their hands. They're not, they're, they're, their business is stealing your credit cards. Right? Other companies, the actual mm -hmm. merchants, they're... They're busy running a business, not busy stealing credit cards. If that's all you're doing all day, you have a lot of time to focus on that. And they're really ahead of us because they use the better technology than the merchants have. So at the end of the day, they're always a step ahead of us, and we're too slow to react to that. Okay. Uh, Frank, Richter, thoughts on what Richard just said? And Hillel? Yeah, I, I, I obviously do fully agree. Yeah, and um, I was uh, last year on a... On a um, on a workshop from a merchant bank and, and they were showing uh, really also that there is a, a real industry behind that uh, monetizes um, credit card information yeah you have you have specialized uh, people the one that steals the information either via phishing mail or steals the card or whatever then you have uh, other ones who in in a very fast time uh, um, sell the information for a certain price per credit card number and um, and then you have the ones who really use and and quote on monetize uh, the information yeah and and it's amazing how um how fast this is going to happen and how organized um, uh, the people are who are doing uh, this kind of things. And, and therefore, I, I fully agree with what was said before, yeah, that you need to invest in this technology and, and make it more secure in, in order uh, to avoid damage here. Thank you very much. You know what? I want to move into a different direction, a slightly different direction, uh, because we have so much information to cover here. Hillel Zafir, I'm looking at a point you made that goes back to something I said in the opening about the cost to merchants of these breaches. And let me read your statement first, and then you can add to it. You said, merchants are not driven to and not driven by prevention. They are reactive. And then you add, the cost of reaction is always more expensive than taking the proactive steps. And and this was something I used in my intro. So I know you have some great numbers. Why don't you scare us a little bit with the steep cost of being reactive? Halal, go ahead. So yes, the the answer is absolutely that the merchants are always driven to react. No, they're always driven by reaction rather than prevention because the perception is that prevention costs a lot of money, 
but not looking at the numbers that came through after, um, the Wall Street Journal ran a report after the target breach was that there was $148 million direct cost associated with the uh, fulfillment and have, helping customers get new credit cards. That was without the fines. They actually mm. took a note, their stock took a nosedive. And actually, there was a, uh, they actually put, they wrote down a, a, a big chunk of money to accumulate for, you know, to kind of counteract the costs. So if they thought that the prevention is expensive, this reaction cost a lot more money. Uh, it costs money in damage control. Uh, there's a perception that you're shopping at a merchant that is, doesn't care about your security, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the, the consumer, they wake up when, there's a, when there's something happens, right? And then when you get a letter from your, from your bank that your credit card has now been deactivated for you, so you're now inconveniencing all your customers or potential customers. So will they think twice before they walk into a Target next time? Some do, some don't. The, the, one, the, the consumers that are a little more savvy will say, guess what, I'm not going to shop there anymore or I'm going to try to get the item somewhere else. And how does that, in, in looking at that number, that, that's, that's part of prevention. You're, you're gaining customers, you're gaining customer, uh, uh, they trust you. The trust is very, very important these days. And we all know that it's just a click away to find a different merchant. So the costs are huge. The fines can be up to a half a million dollars. That's besides the actual cost associated with replacing credit cards mm-hmm. and actually taking people off your existing team and having them start to run around and figure out where the breaches happen. Because not always is the breach, you don't always know where the breach occurred. Is it a direct breach? Was it a password that leaked? So the cost of finding out where, the, where you know, looking at all the different costs associated, they can run in the billions. Interesting. I'm looking at your notes, Hillel, and you say that a credit card replacement can cost up to $90 a card. And if you're looking at replacing a million cards, we're talking bucks here, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. Interesting. And uh, here's another statistic in your notes. You say for a merchant who stores one million cards, the potential cost of a catastrophic data breach could exceed a hundred million dollars. It sounds like it would be much higher if you include card replacement. That alone would be the hundred million. Very interesting. Thank you. Frank Richter, talk to me about what Hillel just put on the table for us. Yeah, I was thinking about what Hillel said and... um I mean, it's it's one thing I found is it's pretty hard to to find other companies where you really openly can discuss such like things in in detail, uh, because many companies have a, a interest not to disclose the details of what they are doing in in the security area, um, and so for me it's hard to judge what what others are doing, and I can uh, base my comment only at at what we do here at our company, and um, it it. It might be a little bit different than other companies because we are in a in, in a special industry where we have more mm-hmm. uh, electronic transactions rather than wholesale, for example. Um, and and also we are not only accepting from from uh, payments from customers, but also we are um, processing on on behalf of customers. So we have we have different ways of how we deal with uh, credit cards, but. Uh, really, I, I could not say that we are reactive at all. So we we, we want to be very proactive. I think for us it would be a disaster if, if a breach would happen. And um, if, if you want to avoid this, you have to be proactive. And this is why, why we might be different, um, but but um, I, I cannot really see a reactive approach at all here. Thank you. Richard McCammon. Thoughts? Yeah, I just want to add the uh, because that ninety dollars uh, is is strictly for the uh, the protection for the card holder. There's a number of other things that that fall into that as well. There's 
there's mm-hmm. fines from the council themselves, the, the uh, security council, as well as from other elements within it. The total cost, uh, based on some studies that are done, are somewhere around the $200 mark per card mm. that are compromised. So if you take something, uh, a three million uh, credit cards that have been uh, ripped off or hacked, then you, you're talking serious dollars. In fact, the averages end up being in 2009. I know these are old statistics, but I don't think it's I don't think it's gotten any better. Uh, just shy of seven million dollars per breach is the direct cost wow. that companies are having to to bear, and and these are. These are large companies that are bearing these costs, and in some cases, you know, things like Target and Home Depot, uh, they're not rounding errors by any stretch of the imagination, but so they're significant to these companies. But imagine what that would be like for a small company that's only got three or four million dollars worth of revenue, and yet they're an e-commerce mm-hmm. based. It would just catastrophically kill them. I mean, it's just no question about it. So you look at these sorts of numbers, and you have to you have to wonder why there aren't more and more people who are jumping on the various security bandwagons that are out there. Well put. Thank you. Uh, I want to bring in a little more definition here. I'm looking at Hillel's notes. Uh, Frank, I'm saving your talking points for after this because there's something very interesting about uh, priorities in a company. Comply or do your business. So we'll get to that. But I wanted to, uh, there's something very interesting in Hillel's notes here about the three levels of players involved in the whole process. I don't know if everybody is aware of this. The merchant, the gateway, the processor or acquirer. Hillel, could you give us a little primer or primer if you say it that way in Brooklyn, on the players involved in this cycle, please? Sure, absolutely. So if you're a merchant and you're a small merchant and you don't process large volumes of transactions, you have to go through uh, you know, sometimes three or four different levels until it hits the bank itself. Right? The bank itself won't necessarily deal with you if your transactions aren't big enough, if you're not uh, processing in the billions of dollars. So the bank is the first layer, which actually does the, the Visa or the MasterCard. You have an acquirer in between them. Okay, that actually acquires all these transactions and processes through to the Visa MasterCard, and then you have a gateway in between that. So the gateway would be similar to what you would, you know, experience at the uh, at the actual checkout process. If it's an online process, that's your checkout page. If it's your if it's in a point of sale system in a in a retail transact in a retail uh, location, that would be the card swipe. And in any one of these areas, the breach can happen in any of, in, while in motion, while in, you know, when the, the data is in motion, when the data actually gets transferred from the swipe to the processor, to the acquirer, to the bank. And then you also have to secure the data at rest, where the data is residing, right? So if the, once the credit card charge has been uh, authorized and it's, the data is sitting somewhere. So there's, mul- there's multiple layers, layers of security that needs to go into place to secure all four, in the case if you're a smaller merchant, all four of them. And if you're a larger merchant, you're dealing with a bank directly, so there's only two layers. You see the merchant and the bank. Richard McCammon, any thoughts on this? You want to add to that, or are we in full agreement on the process? Well, that's the, uh, that's the, the front end, essentially, between uh, the merchant and the, the bank itself. There's a lot of moving parts that are in behind that. I mean, after it gets into the, the Visa net or into the, the MasterCard world, American Express, Discover, whichever, there's all the connections in behind that are going through to 
the the issuing banks. Um, so in the case, you know, in my wallet, I've got a couple of different credit cards from the banks in Canada. Um, but when I go to buy something in the United States, it crawls up through everything that Hilil had mentioned. And then in the background, it's continuing that transaction. So it gets down to my bank and confirms whether the authorization has been accepted or not. So when you think about going out to the, the stores and it's a, you put your, your card in place, there's a whole bunch of magic that's happening in that background um, that is, is providing you in that two to five second time, that quick authorization. It's, it's quite amazing what's actually happening. Interesting. I remember the old days of way back, Richard, me too, uh, when I was out with somebody for dinner and you used to get the credit card that would be swiped at the wherever the uh, maitre d' was, you know, at the payment station in the restaurant, and they would bring you back a, pl- a piece of paper to sign with a carbon copy. Do you remember that, Richard? And oh, yes. And I remember once I was shocked. You can probably guess how many years ago this was, where the person I was with, the gentleman took me to dinner, took the credit card statement, pulled apart this carbon copy with the carbon on it, tore it into little, teeny, eensy, beensy, little, tiny shreds of paper, crumbled them up, stuffed them in his pocket, and then he dipped his hands in the water glass to wash off the carbon stains. But I had never seen anything like it. And, Richard, this was so far before we were aware of all this, but obviously he was. He didn't want anybody picking up that receipt. He didn't want it going anywhere. Any quick comments on that before I turn to Frank? Because I have something I want Frank to talk about. But go ahead, Richard. Any? Do you remember those? days? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'll admit <laughs> that I remember those days. And, and there's lots of different ways that, that uh, fraud has happened over the years. Anything from uh, swipe machines outside of the, uh, the ones that merchants are using that would be used for fraudulent purposes all the way up. And I think that's exactly the point that we were trying to make earlier, that the thieves are incredibly in, in smart. They're, they're looking for ways. I mean, they're, they're, they went all the way from dumpster diving now to sorting through records uh, by the millions electronically. And oh, we just have to stay, we just have to, even, even if we kept current with them, so we're not mm-hmm. tearing up uh, the, the carbon copies, we'd be in so much better shape. And it was just a question of, is my waiter going to steal my credit card number? That's, it was just a one-on-one fear at that point. We didn't have this massive uh, intrusion from the hackers. We, I don't think we knew what hackers were back. That's how far ago it was. Frank Richter, I haven't forgotten you. I'm looking at your notes here about the areas of conflict. Let me just read this, and then you can add to it. You say business needs versus compliance. We're talking about PCI and other security compliance for data security. Ensuring compliance and investing in security takes time. It takes money. It takes precious resources and guess what a company might have other projects that need that same time money and precious resources so the bottom line is projects required for your business just might get delayed if you're focusing on compliance so how does that balance out how do the scales of justice work there frank you want to take us through that sure um yeah and and i think um that really can be a challenge right um um, especially like if you are in an industry that's evolving frequently, if you are in an industry that, that brings up new products, new go-to-markets, uh, different things, um, then then it 
can be quite a conflict. Yeah? On, on the one hand, you want to invest and you want to be secure, and, and you have to do that. Yeah? Um, and on the other hand, you have a business uh, that wants to make a lot of revenue, sometimes comes to you, tell you, we make millions of revenue, and you block us from doing so. Uh, or we need to enter that market early, otherwise we lose, lose the opportunity. Um, and then it's also for the for the business people who have a business case who have a target on revenue also it is it is hard um, for them to understand and accept that um, you also need to invest in in um, in security because they do not have immediate benefit but they see their immediate pain only yeah? um, at, and at the end of the day if you balance that out and you make sure um, that there is no breach and, and, and nothing is going to happen, um, then everybody is happy or um, maybe not everybody is happy because they even do not realize that there was a risk. Yeah? And, and they say, why was our project um, delayed? So um, it, it's really important that, that you have to have a say in the company and, and you can... Um, you can to a certain point also decide independently to invest in additional security features and, and processes and procedures. Um, otherwise, you have lost yeah, if, if everything is just um, um, doing on other things and, and you cannot keep, we have heard uh, uh, the thieves evolve, right? And if you cannot keep the speed with them, um, then you will sooner or later uh, lose the race and then um, the whole company is suffering from that. Richard McCammon, you want to chime in on this? Thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think this ties very well with what Hillel was saying right at the opening is that uh, we all have businesses to run, and mm-hmm. uh, security is only a small fraction of what we're trying to do. I mean, it, it, it has to get bigger. I mean, we have to consider more and more the, the implications of what are going on. But Will's right. Frank's right. We've got businesses that are running and, and running an e-commerce site and making it secure and taking all the steps to make all that work. It's a very, very expensive uh, proposition. And some of the numbers you had at the beginning of the show are indicative of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally a third of most people's uh, security aspects are on now PCI compliance. And we, we've got to continue to do this, but I mean, it's it's also a fact of life that um, we need to be able to conduct business, and we we do have to engage other people. It's not just it's just not the merchants, it's just not the acquirers. Somehow, we have to engage the cardholders and have them understand that why these steps are being taken. It's in their interest. It's in the interest of the entire market as well. Thank you, Hillel. Thoughts on this? Yes, absolutely. I agree that we have to get the uh, the end user, the cardholders, involved in that. And I want to add to that that the, the when a cardholder goes to a merchant, they always have this perception in the back of their head that they're secure. If it's an online transaction, it's an SSL certificate. You think, okay, it's secured. You have a little seal on the bottom. It says we are secured, and you know that's you know you think you're good to go. And I want to add to, to on the merchant side, it doesn't take much to become PCI compliant. I, I highly doubt that all the, all the uh, uh, companies that were breached in the last year weren't PCI compliant. They were. But PCI compliance is not the all-ending, all, you know, that isn't the last, the last leg of the journey. Mm-hmm. I, I'm PCI. looking 
I just want to tell you that uh, uh, Malcolm just tweeted an article from Forbes, and here's the headline. You'll appreciate this. Target CEO fired. Can you be fired if your company is hacked? And the opening line is a common perspective is that cybersecurity is primarily the responsibility of the IT department. If a data breach incident occurred, the senior executive was the only one to take the fall, blah, blah, blah. So very interesting. Uh, A lot of, you know, I'm going to suggest to the panel that we, plan a part two for this topic because I think we've only touched the surface and it's such a such an interesting topic and there's so much more. Would the all three of you like to come back for a part two in a couple of weeks? Be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Good. I rarely put a panel under that kind of pressure on a live show, but I wanted to get that out there because I'm looking at the notes and there's just so much more we need to talk about. But you know what? It's time for us to smoothly segue. No, we're not taking a break. We're going to segue and slide right into Home Plate here. And Home Plate is the prediction segment. We call it the crystal ball round. So I'm going to ask Richard McCammon, if you want to fast forward with me, let's play a little game. We fast forward this topic to, let's say, arbitrarily the year 2020, unless you can see something different in the crystal ball, Richard. What do you think will have changed? Will we still be agonizing over this? Will we still be discussing the cost of credit card breaches? Will CEOs still be getting fired at at big companies like Target? So, Richard, I'm going to give you, um, let's see, you can have a full two minutes maximum for your prediction. So, go. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go out as far as 2020. Um, I okay. Can say by 2020, I can definitely guarantee you we will still have the conversation. All will be happy, but I'm going to go a little earlier than that. I'm going to say, because I've, been, I've sort of tried to weave this thread all the way through, is that we're going to see more and more involvement from the cardholders. We've got to get them involved. We have to engage them. And I think over the next three years, so I'm going to push it out to 2018, we're going to see more steps being taken along those lines. Um, I mentioned EMV chip and PIN. We're seeing that being introduced now in the United States. It's been introduced globally otherwise. And, and that's the whole concept of two-factor authentication where the users are involved in the security. They may not realize it, but they are involved in that whole process. And we're going to see more and more of that. On, uh, things are going to happen on the website. We're seeing that with Apple Pay where they're doing uh, fingerprinting on the, on the mobile devices and they're using the near field as the, as the uh, swipe device. So we're going to see more and more, and by 2018, I'm really thinking that the cardholders are going to be involved in this whole process in order to help the merchants out with their security, because it's a cost not only to the merchants, there's also a cost to the cardholders themselves when they get breached, Mm -hmm. because their cards are now completely gone, and there's all the the strife that the cardholders themselves have to go through. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see more and more cardholder involvement. And we're going to see more and more two-factor authentication. And we can, in our next session, we can go more deeply into what is two-factor, three-factor authentication. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. By the way, I have some friends who pay cash only because they have been hacked. They don't like it. They don't want to experience it. And they just go back and forth to the ATM whenever they want to go somewhere and need the money. And that's it. They have simplified their life according to them. And it's easy peasy. And they're not going to even be in that chain of being a victim of a credit card breach. So that that may be a trend, too. I don't know. Hillel Zafir at HMS Technology Group. Predictions, I can give you exactly two minutes on the clock. Hillel? Go ahead. My prediction by 2020, cash only. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you're good. You're really good. Or, or, or maybe Bitcoin. Hey, Bitcoin is a promising hey. type of... Hey, we didn't talk about Bitcoin. No, my prediction for 2020 is wearables. Wearables will be the new way to pay. And with the Apple Watch coming out and all the Samsung gear, 
that will become your credit card. And because it's going to be something you have on your personal time and it'll be tokenized, that will give a specific number to the device and specific merchant. We will see that being taken over as the, as the um, credit card of choice, or wouldn't call it credit card, it'll be the payment type. Uh, factor that in with the Apple Pay and the Touch ID. That will be the, uh, and I think that Apple's done a tremendous job in bringing this type of uh, transaction to the masses. The fact remains NFC has been out for a while, but until Apple introduced it, it wasn't cool and it wasn't hip. And that's what I said in the beginning of the, seg- of the, of the show, gamifying it. Make it cool. Make it exciting. At the end of the day, it's more fun to whip out your phone and brag to everybody around you, ha, 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 look at me. I got the new iPhone 6 and I got my finger on it and ta-da-da, I'm on, on the way. I don't have to grab my wallet. I don't have to swipe my card. I live in the 21st century. I'm new. I'm hip. I'm cool. That's the best way to get the uh, cardholders in the mix because they're part of it. It's exciting. It makes it fun. And it's something that they have with them at all times. And most people won't even leave their phone behind. Credit cards, they do. But they phone they won't because it becomes part of them. So wearables is my prediction for 2020. That'll be the new payment methods. I love it. That's fodder for a new show for part two. I appreciate that. And Frank Richter, you're up. I can give you exactly the same two minutes for your predictions. Frank, what do you see coming down the pike? How far in the future can you predict? Yeah, I'm, when Bonnie, you mentioned before uh, the carbon copy time, right? And and mm-hmm. now we are in the internet change. Things are uh, in the internet age. Things are changing way much uh, faster. The speed is increasing. Uh, now in the 21st century, if if I talk to my kids, uh, kids they would tell me Facebook is old school. Yeah, um, and, uh-huh. and things are just evolving way faster. Um, and and um, this is also why you have to think. Um, can can I keep the speed, or do I wanna maybe outsource it? And and I think you probably see more people outsourcing security to specialists to to focus on this topic, and keep the speed. Um, and and um, so you can uh, really become rid of of that part of the problem. Yeah. The other thing I'm I'm also seeing, um, things will become way more virtual. Um, more mm-hmm. digital transactions, you will probably have less opportunity to call somebody over the phone and um, uh, this person takes the credit card number from you. Way more things are going uh, as self-service in the web, um, no human interfaces, um, everything is be more secured and encrypted. And uh, those transactions will have additional pins, you will get notifications about your payments, you will uh, immediately um, see when when a transaction was done that you have not authorized a few seconds later you can react on that we will have better um, detection system that that will see the breach so I, I would really say all the things go faster and and it will be more technology and and, and uh, less human um, in the whole processing and monitoring of uh, credit card transactions Thank- Thank you very much, Frank. Great predictions from all three of you. Guess what? I have some predictions of my own, and I know them for a fact, and I know they're going to happen in the next two or three months. We are adding five new Game Changers series to the family of Coffee Break with Game Changers radio shows presented by SAP. We're going to be introducing on February 3rd, Digital World with Game Changers. Then the following week, we introduce to you Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. The following week, we bring on board Industry Cloud Trends with Game 
Game Changers the week after we launch a show called Business Innovation with Game Changers. And finally, on March 1st, we introduce uh, an amazing new series called Game Changing Women. How about that one? Already getting a lot of buzz. We're in the planning stages, and I'm very exciting, excited to be producing and hosting all of those five new series in addition to this one. Coffee Break with Game Changers will continue on Wednesdays, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. And uh, let's see, tomorrow we have uh, the Customer Edge with Game Changers, alternating with Internet of Things and Future of Business with Innovating Innovation. So many shows, hard to remember. Just stay tuned. I have a special thank you to Richard McCammon at DeLego Software. Thank you, Richard. Great insights. Looking forward to welcoming you back. Hillel Zafir, we finally got it together. Hillel, HMS Technology Group, delighted you could join us. And Frank Richter, thank you to you and your colleagues at SAP in Germany for picking you to be the person on the show. Great insight. Shout out to Malcolm Kimberlin for the great tweets and putting this panel together. Brad Comer and the Business Channel team at Voice America World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll talk to you later this afternoon on a new edition of Internet of Things with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.